Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the Rugby Dungeon... After the Premiership, the URC, the top 14, and any other semi-finals going on? Lots of semis all over the shop. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm in studio in the Rugby Dungeon with JB. Hello, Tim. Uh, Phil is down the line in one of the TMO Egg Chasers shipping containers. Hello, Phil. Hello, Tim. Now, I'm assuming this is uh, is because Claire's working saving lives, and so by extension, by doing the podcast from the shipping container, you are effectively saving lives. Well, ordinarily, yes. However, this weekend she's on the piss in Amsterdam, so I'm not saving any lives. <laughs> With I'm the just... bloody lads. <laughs> I'm just uh, trapped at home, unfortunately. Oh. Sorry, sorry to hear that. Um, it's been quite good fun. Um, have, have you referred I mean... to, or has anyone referred to you, babysitting your kids? Which it does make me laugh when dads, uh, oh, well, are you babysitting the kids then? Well, that's a very triggering event, that, Tim. Because I know. Some people go, it's not babysitting. But exactly. Oh, well, I think it's babysitting. So. <laughs> Let's call it what I want. because Claire often, she likes to really ham it up, um, make a meal of it when she looks after the children, which she does all the time. And I've just been texting her, all weekend telling her how easy this is. It is easy, isn't it? <laughs> Don't say that lie. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I'm, the, I'm the opposite. Make it sound really easy. So then when they have the kids, uh, they can't say, oh, just help me. Just do something. I find it really easy. Uh, there's nothing, not really much to it, is there? But it, it's, it's about the same level. Like, most of the stuff that you have to do is about the same level as kind of hoovering the lounge. It, yeah. it takes it takes about that much mental capacity to look after children, so it's fine. It's not always the most exciting thing. Yeah, they do lovely things that are very sweet, but it's not always the most exciting. Particularly when you're not, not emotionally hard. attached to them and you're dead inside, like you are. Like it's <laughs> it's quite easy, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like having a tamagotchi. Yeah, I mean, Phil makes sure that they, he measures out their calories. Well, that's them fed for the day. He measures their sleep. That's them slept for the day. I don't know what else there is to do. Get 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 stepometers on them. Make them run on a treadmill. Exercise done. Straight to bed. Joyless, soulless life. I guess the challenge, Phil, would have been how do you watch all of the rugby with two rugrats and no one to palm them off onto? I, I managed to do it pretty well, actually. Yeah. I managed to get them both both asleep for the first game. Oh, well played. Uh, done. 
on the Saturday. They slept through most of that. And then I took them out for an hour, uh, really ran them round for an hour in between the games. Uh, and I was a little bit late dialing into the second game, the Leicester game, but just uh, watching it on my laptop. So caught up using the brilliant um, BT um, enhanced player. It is good, and, isn't it? Yeah, watched watched all of it. So I didn't re- didn't really have much issue, to be honest. Well, first of all, congratulations goes to uh, Tim Cocker. Well done for wearing an Aylesbury tie. I thought that was a great <laughs> little touch. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, uh, well, it, there was uh, several reasons. Firstly, it was my final game of the season. Yep. So I thought I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put a tie on like everyone else will be next week. And also, I was just we talk a lot about grassroots rugby, and I think we demonstrate how much we're genuinely passionate for it on this podcast. And I just thought, no, you know what? Talk is cheap. I'll actually. I think, it's a, I think it's a great thing. Let me don a club tie, and um, yeah, the the wonderful people from Aylesbury Rugby Club who've uh, been great supporters of the Tier Two tours and presented us with uh, each with an Aylesbury tie and some budgie smugglers mm-hmm. on um, on a Tier Two tour. I thought, yeah, go on, they're they're a top club. They've had a good season, so yeah, least I can do. Yeah, well, I mean, um, not as good as some others. I mean, they did come third, but I, I, either or, I mean, fine. Uh, now. <laughs> You can also take some of my other ties. For the few, this, this could be your thing. People could send in ties of the club that they want represented. So I've got Bristol Imperial up there. I've got a Broughton Park one. I've got Neath FC, not Neath. I did look at the Bayon Bombers one last weekend. Bayon Bombers. Think, I probably wouldn't. I probably don't want to just some some that would trigger someone that the a tie with a load of pictures of a a woman on a, a bomb, a woman on a, a bomb, a nuclear bomb, no, no less. Really? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think you should limit it to English clubs because you do English Premiership, unless it's a European game, in which case you are allowed to do the other nation. This is probably like showing the fact I'm a few years older than you and Phil, but there was a fella who used to be on the telly back in the day um, on on like breakfast telly called Giles Brandreth. And he used to. Yes! People used to send jumpers to him. He he was wearing a corgi jumper to meet the the Prince. That's right, the Jubilee last week. How weird that I just happen to remember that name from reading it today. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, maybe that's why. I, maybe I saw his name today, and that's why it popped in yeah. my head. But anyway, yeah. So by all means, send uh, send me uh, a club tie, and I'll uh, I'll get them lined up, and I'll I'll make that a thing. Yeah, uh, that's a great thing, because it's better than I don't know the current attire of some of the other presenters. That's all uh, I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, uh, they are smartening up a little bit. No, they they will look wonderful for I the mean, final. They better I, look I wonderful. Think, for I the think final. they look great anyway, but I think they'll look wonderful on the final. They always uh, they always get the pocket, they do po- pull, pocket squares and ties out. They do pull it out for the final. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I I think we should almost judge the attire of the team for the final in the same way that people judge celebrities on the red carpet for the Oscars. It should be that big of a deal. They should go that far out. Yeah. Uh, one important thing we've had a lot one of the most uh, popular topics of people getting in touch this week has been Love Island begging you and IJB to do a Love Island podcast I can't do it ever since the mental health screening it's got boring they just don't have <laughs> they don't have the right personalities they've literally got rid of all the interesting people so no I can't do it <laughs> are you watching it Phil? I, I've never watched it I know I don't think I've watched a single episode which I'm I'm quite proud to say that to be honest. I haven't watched any of this season. I got no. half an hour into episode two. I couldn't do any more. Not because I didn't. Do you know, some people get annoyed that oh they're disgusting or they're so vacuous or whatever it was like in the good old days. It's just boring. There's no other word for it. It's just boring. So yeah. Anyway, uh, do you know what's not boring? Ah, oh, Premiership no. semi-finals. URC semi-finals. Let's talk about them before we get into the Premiership. Oh, well, do we, do well, I mean, we I was going to say, poor Phil, his beloved Ulster, Ugh. just 
heartbreaking defeat. Oh, that that is sickening. To go go away to Cape Town and Stormers are a very good team, but to go away on a short turnaround from last week and be leading. So concede even worse, concede ten points in the first fifteen minutes. Yeah. So it looks like it's going the wrong way. Then turn things around, shore up the defense, get the set piece working, score a couple of lovely tries. Balakoon looking amazing until he went off injured. Um, Balakoon looking amazing again. It's that he's just been in incredible form this season. But then to hold out and hold out and hold out. Stormers can see the red card with ten minutes to go, and then in the eighty seventh, eighty sixth, or eighty seventh minute. After, after, admittedly, about fifteen minutes of pressure from the Stormers, Ulster finally, finally collapsed, and the Stormers won it. And so, Ulster five points up with eighty-six minutes on the clock. Yeah, Stormers score quite wide out, and it's they've got the conversion to win it. And they just—I don't know if you've seen the I conversion. Have. I have. Mm. They they just and I've I've seen a reverse angle that I think it, I think it, the right decision was made, but it looked a bit dodgy from the angle on TV. But fair play to Stormers because it it was a hell of a game, low low scoring but brutally physical, um, and ultimately they they deserve to win it because they played until the very final whistle. Again, and two guys, I, I don't think this weekend should detract from what I have said in previous weeks about Stuart McFarland. And Dan oh, sorry, Dan McFarland and Stuart Lancaster. Well, thank you for bringing up Stuart Lancaster because I think I have all the ammunition I need now to end <laughs> to end his career. Um, no, uh, I mean the. Uh, let's just stick with Ulster for a second. It was it was a good game. It was a game with two well prepared teams. Ulster did what Ulster do, which they looked very professional, very organised, and they lost by the narrowest of margins. Uh, but, and, but, uh, but to draw parallels across their season, they. They bat above average. Yeah, they are as a collective better than the sum of their parts to a degree that it, it makes it heartbreaking the fact that they lost out just as they did against Toulouse in the mm. in the narrowest of fashion and to lose out in the manner they did in this game away, like you say, against the Stormers. I I I really really felt for them, but um, I, I don't know whether it's a just one of those things. I don't know whether it's just they lack just that. When you look at other semi-finals and you look at Owen Farrell, you look at George Ford, do they just lack that kind of character in a pivotal position that, that makes the difference? I don't know. Mm. Maybe. Well, maybe 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 they were just um, eyeing up some mojitos on, on Long Street in Cape Town for, for the next yeah, 14 like, we days. Have, yeah, we have to go home if we win this, lads. Come on. Come on, boys. <laughs> exactly. Just don't, yeah, don't make it look like we've lost, but lose. Yeah. Yeah. In that, in that respect, they played it perfectly. It was heroic. Uh, Leinster, <laughs> exactly. Leinster that, that was a surprise. Well, I mean, should it be a surprise? Uh, Not for me, it wasn't. I think it should be. It uh, should be regarded as a surprise to, to lose as they did. Well, was, was it a bit of hubris? Why do you think Johnny Sexton was on the bench? This, these are all great questions. So I've got a lot to say about this Leinster, um, this Leinster performance. Not so much the performance itself, but maybe more broadly what Leinster are up to and how it lends itself to weakness. But I'm happy to save that a bit further down in the podcast if you want to talk about actual rugby stuff rather than my musings first. What, so we'll do it in a bit, do that in a bit? Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, all right, cool with that. Oh, I, I've, I forgot to say, uh, please hit subscribe if you haven't already. 
Uh, we are, well, we're the longest running rugby podcast. We're the only podcast that's there for you 52 weeks a year. We break our backs to make sure you have something every single Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you appreciate that, hit subscribe, get, leave a five-star review, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. Uh, appreciate your support there as well. And we'll, uh, we'll have some extra content up there. We will have a patrons well. po- podcast this week because I've got lots to say about some nonsense. <laughs> okay. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, c- can I just say how good are the premiership semifinals? Oh. We were so excited about the, the rivalries and the, that didn't disappoint the such keenly for matches that, and I, I, I was getting really hyped up. I was um, just arriving at uh, Welford Road. Sorry, Mattioli Woods Welford Road. Yeah, yeah. I was, arriv- I was arriving at Mattioli Woods Welford Road uh, as the build-up for uh, the first game was starting, and I was, I was just walking towards the stadium, and I had my phone out, and I was just listening to the build-up, and just Sarah, Sarah, th- those Joe Marler comments coming up again. It just whipped it up. It was awesome. Joe Marler saying that they despise each other. And he was, uh, we have to go to their, cover kids' ears, uh, we have to go to their shit ground with a plastic pitch and play. Yeah. It was, like, after a whole season of rugby, it's been a long old season this, I've played the whole season, I've watched week after week of Premiership rugby, and yes, it is long for the players, but it's, it's much longer for the real the real victims like us. Yeah. Um, I, I, felt, I felt quite jaded about rugby. And discussing the matchups for this week, last week, all of a sudden I felt a lot more excitement. This is this is like the real deal. I think what you said was absolutely right. It delivered on every single stage. There was no part of it which underdelivered. There wasn't uh, one absolute dominant performance over the over another one's opposite number. It was compelling. It was competitive. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. The, the whole thing and two absolutely rammed stadiums. I mean, Welford Road when it's in full voice is quite something, I imagine. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that came across through the telly, but that was so loud. Yeah. It was something else. Uh, back to the Saracens one. Harlequins did talk an awful lot this week. And I'm, in, I'm into that. I think I want to hear more of it. I've never considered Saracens-Harlequins being one of rugby's big rivalries. I just haven't. I know they think it is. But to be honest, for the last few years, there's not really been much competition. Saracens would batter Harlequins every single day of the week. And when Harlequins did win it, well, Saracens weren't even there. Yeah, yeah, it happened a few times. I remember when Rob Shaw was still playing and uh, I worked on a I worked on a Harlequin Saracens game and they were just they were over the moon that they'd want that they'd beaten them. But then Harlequins didn't do anything that yeah. season and Saracens that was went, went on and won everything. That was their final, yeah, exactly. So it was a yeah, we've we've talked about it in the past how it was a very much a one way derby, but it was champions against a returning team that trying to get back there. Yeah, so it was spicy. The Midlands derby, I've always thought, is one of the biggest games in rugby. Northampton Tigers. Tigers Bath is one of the biggest games in rugby. Um those are the two really Gl- Gloucester Bath. Gloucester Bath is huge, isn't it? Huge. Uh, so yeah, I thought the Midlands derby was legitimate. That said, the build-up for the Saracens Harlequins one actually felt more spicy than um, Tigers Northampton, and maybe an element of that was the awful news that came out this week um, regarding the Tiff, regarding Tiff yeah. So maybe that did take a bit of the edge of off the rivalry, right? Rightly so, but yeah, the the build-up for Saracens um, Saracens Harlequins was absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Just, just Tim, you mentioned the uh, the Marla comments, and I, I've not actually heard them. 
but I've seen them written down and I couldn't work out if he was being serious or tongue in cheek or sarcastic. Cause obviously Joe Marley is not always entirely serious um, conversationally, but he's very serious on the pitch. So would, do you think they were men as they were written or as they came across? Uh, I think he would have met, he would have said it, you know, trying to be the kind of entertainer, uh, funny guy which he is but that said many a true word spoken in jest yeah as the saying goes also that yeah, ar- yeah. that article had some proper quotes in it he wasn't happy with the was it the alison rudd interview uh in the I, times yeah, it was in the times yeah yeah the alison rudd one um he wasn't happy with the headline said it's completely misleading on, on twitter uh and the other thing he said in that interview which i did not like but later was clarified was rugby is uh, he's got this image of white to middle class um, and I was thinking, like, it might have the image of white middle class in London and the home counties. So he doesn't have that image up north. It, I mean, not even not even close. So there's a few things in that article which I just thought were not particularly well thought through. And it turns out he was actually referring to rugby where he is. He's in Harlequins, isn't he? Yeah. And it is white and middle class around tw- tw- Twickenham. Yeah, and just on that, actually, just I've I've got nothing against it. It's not a judgment, this. I just quite liked how humble the cars were of the Leicester players even the internationals rocked up in very very standard cars a, a, a big mark change and I like the fact it's different and that Quinn's players turn up in Maseratis like, well not well the players don't quite turn up in Maseratis but they do have their Maserati parking spaces in the car park but the, the Quinn's players many of them have very nice cars do they bristol some of the some of the players have extremely nice cars I wonder who, which players they would be mm, i wonder I wonder which I wonder which club um is keeping strictly to its salary cap uh, and <laughs> leicester like even the international guys turned up with the yeah like normal family motors i, quite I liked wonder it. what were they broadly the, all the same brand no were they not that's no. interesting sometimes they've yeah, it was some sort of deal with the dealership where they get lent cars and whatnot. So da, they, they're da, all Dan golfs Cole, or something. Dan, uh, well, Dan Cole had a VW Golf. There we go. Very nice car. Very nice car. But nothing flash. Mm. And he's, a, he's a, what, 80 cap international? He is. And three Lions caps. Mm. Interesting. So, the game. Ugh. Phil, anything to say on just the, in general, before we get into the meat? Uh, on players' cars? Or, or just the, or just the the, the general ex- excitement of the games that lived up to the billing and all that. Uh, I I loved it, loved both games. They were as as a neutral, and I was um, very happy for any of the teams to win. I just wanted the, the best team to win in, in uh, every scenario, and I, I think I think they did um, in the two certainly in the two Premiership games. Actually, in the four four semi-finals, from what I've seen, did the you, best team won. Did you do what um, I did? Phil, which is celebrate every try like you, like you supported both teams. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby! Yeah! They scored, yes! Well, Go on, I, boys. They, they, were, they, were, they were two brilliant games. The, the Premiership semi-finals had a bit of everything because they both semi-finals as well, we're not getting into detail, but they had swings as well. Mm. One team started better, then the momentum shifted, then the momentum shifted back and kind of... 50 minutes into both games you didn't really know who was going to win and then and then it just the class showed at the accelerator was pressed and the pressure told and the yes. and the true class players 
well, came, came to the fore. That was one of the games. The other game, I think, was a little bit more complex than that. So the one that I hear you describe, and tell me if I'm wrong, is Harlequin's uh, Saracens. Uh, I think both, but yeah. Uh, certainly, I do mean that one, yeah. Yeah, you, well, yeah, I think that's in Dallas. We can all agree on that. The other one is not so clear-cut to me. I mean, I thought Saints should have won that. The Saints should have won it. There's no ifs or buts. And there's one guy in particular who oh. is going to think about this game for the rest of his life. And oh. it's such a shame because he's a cracking player. Courtney goes and I wanted to go and give that man a hug. So did I. Yeah. <laughs> he's... It's hard to watch that. There's only <laughs> there's only one there's only one incident that I blame him for. I don't blame people for skill errors. You drop the ball, you th- not because you mean to, right? But there's one which he really deserves shooting for, and that is when he tried to dive in dive in for a try. I mean, it, <laughs> uh, I mean awesome bit of defence by Freddie, Freddie Burns was it to punch the ball out of his hand? I don't think no, that was, was the awesome bit of defence though. Was it Porter? Porter. I think it was Porter. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Who's had a great season? A I think, really I think great it was. Season. A, a good bit of defence because he hits to get across there he's got a lot of ground to cover and Skozen's obviously fast but he he consciously targets the ball with his um, <sighs> his right arm so I, he, I think it's a I think it's a great bit of defence right so his arm does hit the ball it does dislodge it but that's not what I saw him doing I saw him do something a little bit cleverer than that so Skozen runs into the corner and I've seen Skozen do this before because lots of wingers like doing it. McFarland did it, uh, who's not a winger, but he did it anyway. Which is they aim for the corner and they dive, they go as high as they can and they dot the ball down. So that's undoubtedly what I think Skozan was looking for. Porter uh, like, sees this and goes, uh, no, I'll just think I'll hold your feet on the ground, thanks. So as he goes to jump up, Porter just pulls him down. And then as he's pulling him down, he collides with, with, with the ball. But it's the prevention of letting him jump, which is the big intervention in my mind. Watch it again. He just—it's like he knows what the guy's trying to do. If he—if Skozan jumps or dives low, or just tries to finish normally, Porter doesn't get near him. But because he slows down for that dive, which is ridiculous, because everyone knows everyone knows what the game is now, uh, he messes it up, and that's criminal. If you think about the way he's going to put that ball down, he needs to be—if he's going to dive out, he needs the ball on in the arm, which is infield. Which is also the which arm. is what he does. He changed it to that that from left to right. Which yeah, is, which some could argue is why Porter was able to exactly. dislodge it. So you could put it in the other arm and protect it, and use a bit of body weight and just go over. But he has to because he's going to go out of field, and he needs to reach back in. That was an, a conscious decision and a bad finishing decision. That's the only one that I blame him for. Everything else is one of those things. So, sorry, I'll live with you forever, but it's one of those things. Oh, but that was the fourth. I mean. There's definitely two that were... Ab- There's one that probably we was going to get covered, but there was two that were oh. catch it, score. Yep, just do what wingers do. And the worst part for him was when he was involved with actions which were not his fault at all, but he was involved. So- oh, like when... Uh- when, when Alex Coles wang the, <laughs> on his own try line wang the ball over his head into yeah. touch uh, and like it looks like Skozan is the positive end of a magnet and the ball is also positive and it just is not going to come near him no, no matter what Have you, do you remember a glaring error like that in a, in a big game fail or just a game where everything just went wrong when you were on the wing oh, well, everything went wrong for me yeah uh, <laughs> I'd never, never played in that many big games <laughs> um, no I'd never say Anything went. Uh, I'm trying to think. No, of course. I, I probably just blocked it, it all didn't. out. You're like, 
feels like the I feel as a player you're you're quite I mean obviously you played at level two and three but um Caden Murley esque I'd say don't you think oh good good analogy <laughs> like I like very that. few errors Should... almost like runs up and down better than Lewis Liner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had one actually. Oh, it's so cruel. When I was playing on the wing back in the day for Colin Bay, I was pestering the coach to um, give me a game. wasn't interested, but he decided against Bala to give me a game. As for Colin Bay, so I must have been seventeen, eighteen, maybe maybe as a bit older. And in the team talk prior to the game, it's like JB will not let me down. You know, so we've got people on the bench that can handle themselves. Yada yada yada. I came in, I came on on the wing, entered the first ruck. Uh, got my eyebrow split. Didn't really you know, say anything because I wanted to look tough. Next ruck I entered. Someone stood on my hand and broke my hand. See where um, the knuckle is missing there? Oh, yeah. So after I had my hand broken, I didn't want to come off because this is my first game. I dropped every single ball afterwards. Every time oh. I caught the ball, it was like an electric shock. But I wasn't going to say a thing. It was horrific. Absolutely horrific. And I didn't get another game after that. I remember a game uh, away at Barking for Manchester in National 2 and... Or Nash, uh, national, I can't remember whatever it was. The old national two, or whatever it was, mm. level three, and um, away at Barking, and it was a red hot day, and I hardly slept the night before. I'd been recovering from a bit of an illness, and I just didn't sleep. And oh. I just, and I, and I sort of had one of those naps on the bus, where you either wake up feeling like right, good, I'm ready to go, or you wake up feeling like you're drunk. And I woke up feeling like I was drunk, and. It sounds like you were drunk, Tim. Late night out, late <laughs> night out on the tiles, quick snooze on the bu- on the bus, still drunk. Oh, I got I got hammered on the way back just to drown my sorrows because I had a shocker and uh, it was just, I, I, it was one of those where I was like, uh, they're going to take me off any minute, and he just he, they they kept me on, and but I just three times I went to do a number eight pickup and just just fumbled the ball. Oh, the worst, <laughs> horrendous, the worst. I had a game so bad once against Birkenhead Park. Uh, literally, I was playing eight, and my opposite number, I don't know his I don't know his name, his first name is Ollie, and he ran over me like I was a child, time and time again, <laughs> lost like 50-odd points to 10 or something. Um, and this is at a time when I, I, I had a relatively, a relatively good reputation for being a physical player, and I was treated like a child. Pulled off the park about uh, 30 minutes in, coach said, you'll never play for me again. You'll never play. What? Yeah, and then that coach left. No, no coach worth their salt should say that. Oh, anyone? Did, uh, anyway. I don't know. You didn't see me play, mate. I, 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 <laughs> I, I thought that was generous. I, I do know. Now you've um, jogged my memory. Uh, two two incidents I do remember. I remember playing. Uh, it was Bladen at home, and I'd injured my shoulder the the previous week against Cambridge away, and I played, and I basically had one arm. For the for the guy, I think I got taken off on, on about sixty five minutes, and I couldn't move my left arm, um, and then subsequently missed about six months of rugby because of the injury. <laughs> but I played when I shouldn't have done, and I was awful. And the other one, I remember playing away at Waterloo, and we had a, we were winning quite comfortably, and had a two on one. I think I was playing fifteen, and we had a two on one on the right hand side, and the winger stepped out, and so I showed. Like dummied to cut back inside and just flop over the line and got absolutely nailed about <laughs> five meters out from the line. Shop shut. <laughs> it should have. Have you seen? Um, I, I'm going to compare myself to one of the greatest um, rugby players of all time now, 
Um, although it's comparing myself to him messing up. Have you seen about four or five years ago, Israel Falau playing against Argentina and he's got a two-on-one on the right-hand side and he does, it's almost like move for move what I did. He shows, steps inside and gets absolutely nailed. I can't remember <laughs> Dropped. this. Dropped. Mind, yeah, mind you, I don't really watch bigots, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I remember the one you're talking about. Uh, so yeah, I, I just I, uh, during the first half, I I I mean, it's such a horrible place to be when you're in a when things go wrong for you on on a stage like that. And he will, oh, and his teammates will be patting Courtney Scrozen on the back, but he'll just feel horrendous. I know. There's no getting away from it. Is there? No. There's just uh, thing is for everything he did wrong, there was a saint somewhere who did some amazing things. Normally. Their name was Hutchinson. I mean, or, I thought the way Dingwall... Or Dingwall. Oh, oh. Those two together. The way Love they, them. The way they play so flat on the line is just incredible. I mean, mm. it's so rare that you see that. The pace, and uh, the pace, the accuracy, and how close they do it to the opposition really mocks Tommy out. Tommy Freeman as well. So, Class. He is very good. And uh, just look at the guy. He must... He's like, he's a sort of six foot one, six foot two lad... Good-looking rooster. He must just be cleaning up in would, Northampton. I often think, I look at Tommy Freeman, I think of a really fast Sam James. Because he's got good hands, he's like rangy and whatnot, although he doesn't Of course you think yeah. of uh, Sam James comparison. I wonder, I wonder if anyone else on the planet has compared Tommy <laughs> Freeman to Sam James before. Well, I tell you now, I think, I don't think this actually has told this, but allegedly... Tommy Freeman moving to 13 for England is the way they want to try and replace not having Manu, which I don't see at all, but that's apparently he's, what's going to happen. He's a big lad. Yeah, but does he play like a big lad? No. And so why? I mean, because why? He, he's a big lad and he can do other things. Yeah, so like, how does that replace Manu? I don't. Manu pollutes the minds of very intelligent men. I know. No. Like, you know, they start saying, right, okay, we don't have Manu, so let's try... Sam Burgess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's not just get a guy out of position. Let's get a guy from a different sport. <laughs> What's Steve Redgrave up to? <laughs> Throw him in. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's very, very strange what like what happens. But yeah, so, um, I, I'm with Dan Kelly going off really early. Saints were ripping them to shreds, weren't they? Uh, hmm. Eating upgrade now. Why is our Zoom running out? Um, oh, yeah, nine, nine minutes left. Okay, well, let's keep going and then we'll yeah. pause it. Fine. Uh, yeah, I thought he had a really good opening um, opening game. But after he got injured, he did start to slow down a bit. There's no two ways about that. He Who, wasn't. Um, Tommy Freeman. So oh. I, yeah, I thought, like, once he'd, he made a, was it that little chip and chase? He had a really good. Good opening. Uh, awesome defence as well. He made a couple of really amazing cover tackles. Oh, yeah, and the collection of the ball. But then, I don't know, when the Saints... I do also think this, though. When the Saints bench were activated, they weren't particularly impressive. No, I, I think... So, it all happened at a very similar time. I don't know if you sort of felt this as well, Phil, but it was about uh, 55-ish minutes. Dan Bigger goes off. Yeah. Uh, the Leicester bench comes on. Massive impact. The Saints bench didn't quite have the same impact, but you're missing your fulcrum in, in Dan Bigger and a yellow card, which was never a yellow card. Oh, no, I agree with that. So there is a few things there. It's not just Dan Bigger going off because 
Dan Bigger is excellent. I thought the, the way he stretches the field with his kick passes it just makes pe- makes teams defend differently. Um, there's lots of things Dan Bigger does which makes teams think. But then you've got the two centres we spoke about. The other guy who I thought really pulled the strings well was Mitchell. But Mitchell does fade towards the end of the game because well it's because the, pa- the pace they play yeah. at. Yeah. So you've got this uh, guy who is really doing well, but even he has to go eventually. And when he did. That's when they lost all all all, all, all of those things together, Phil. W- w- did you not feel that they just that's when that the ga- the game changed? Bigger, it, Mitchell, yeah. the Leicester bench, and the yellow card. Which again, Matt Carley, I thought got most of the, got the big decisions right. I'm not trying to pick on him; he's a great ref, but he got that one so wrong. To have the Leicester yellow, the Leicester, I forget who got the card now. Yeah. Uh, Porter, Porter, Porter. Yeah, for, for Porter to be a yellow. And that Oshin Heffernan tackle to be the oh, same sanction is just ridiculous. Isn't it? I mean, yeah. I thought the Porter was a red card. I thought he got it right on that, actually. I thought Carly got it right because there was a, there was a big dip. Mm. So it, it, was, it was red card force. It's a high shot. It's a direct shot to the head with force. But there was a mitigating circumstance because of... Of, um, it was Hutchinson, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, Hutchinson knee, knee was on the floor. So I think I think that was adjudicated spot on. I think the Heffernan one was. He'd, he'd only been on the pitch for two minutes, hadn't he? Yeah, it was a, it was a seatbelt tackle. Yeah, yeah. Penalty that, at worst. That, that felt harsh. Yeah, completely, completely agree. Uh, that, yeah. That's not to take away from what Leicester did really well. Like I say, the bench had a massive impact. Jasper Visa is just a granite, and you... and George Ford absolutely absolute class the other thing I thought about Jasper Visa not his carrying we all know that um, the consistency of his carrying deep into the game I think that made a huge difference because everyone can carry when they're fresh but he, he just carries on going like he looked like he looked like the same player in the 60th minute as he did in the you know, seventh minute I thought he was very he, impressive he is so explosive and aggressive isn't he mm. aggressive he, is the one just just a ball of muscle and knows how to use it and he does everything. I think the fitness point is a very good one because he he was he was carrying hard. He was. I mean, he he made he made twenty carries, and which is which is the most by by some distance. I think I'm just looking. No one else, no one else uh, in the whole game of all the other uh, what is it? Forty five players. Uh, ignore a few subs who didn't come on. Uh, no one else made double figures. Wow. <laughs> he made 20, 20 yeah. and they were all in heavy traffic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one area of the game which surprised me was the dominance of Northampton Scrum. I thought Northampton Scrummaging game was brilliant to start with. The, it started two, to the, even out. So Ellis Genge, in current England international, Dan Cole, what, however many it is, 80 England caps. Knows his way around. Uh, the, the two of them up against two props, Eogan and Painter, who had. 30 premiership starts between them. Yeah. Now, Eogan, and, yeah, they did do a job. Yeah. Now, Yogan's an interesting one because Yogan was the COVID prop, if you remember. Yeah. He played, mm. in fact, he might, you know, I think his first game was a playoff game, actually. Yeah. Was it not against Gloucester? Uh, he, got a man, he got man of the match in his on debut. Yeah. And he can really play. He's a good carrier. They, you know, and also Matavesi. We all love Matavesi. He's in the Navy. Yada, yada, yada. We, uh, we love him. But there's no doubting the absolute class of Montoya. But between those three, they did a really good job. In fact, they even turned Leicester over, which is you know pretty rare. Mm. Yeah, so certainly I think as the game went on, and again, it's to the, the compounding point, the compounding point of um, Leicester subs plus the yellow card plus bigger going off. 
But I think I think Northampton scrum did fade a little bit yeah, after the game wore on, unless they came into it a bit more. But certainly in the start, North you if you just picked kind of the first three scrums blind, you would have said Northampton had the hundred cap front row. Yeah, not. But I not think Leicester. Aaron Painter's going to be all right. I think he's going to be. Uh, yeah, a, I think he'll come through. He's just such a big lad, though. Like, are you going to get the work rate out of him you need? And it mm. would worry me that. Uh, like you watch Alice Genge run run around the field. I know they they play on different on different sides, but the future is props that can run about a bit. I'm not sure he offers that so much. Uh, well, and, George Ford definitely. Um, um, George Ford, and, and it was a whole team effort, and they had the decoy runners and stuff. But George Ford uh, ran round him like he wasn't there for the try. Uh, yeah, wasn't it, was, it Alex Coles that he ran round? No, it was Painter. It, it was the two of them, wasn't yeah. it? It was Painter was on the inside and Coles was on the outside I think yeah Coles would have been stepping in from to, to hit the guy who wasn't his man to take Ford yes yeah. Um, yeah yeah it was Painter who was the who was up against Ford did you notice as well the amount of line out steals that Northampton had yeah I mean I mean that really surprised me because yeah uh, Tigers are a very good scr- scrimmaging unit but they're exceptional at line out time exceptional well it, should, it shouldn't surprise us I don't think when you look and go uh, Ratuni Yarawa is is a big old slice, but mm. Laws and Ludlam on the flanks. And I was thinking this as as the game was going on, and I th- there's an argument that if you were doing an all time England fifteen, Courtney Laws is in your pack. What do you think? It depends what you're doing with it. I mean, it depends what you want at six. If you want, you know, the best type it'd, of that, it'd, six. Be, it'd be him or Richard Hill. Yeah, it would be. Um, yeah, uh, there was. Uh, I'll talk about that in in the Saracens game, but I think. Um, he plays very, very similar. Or should I say, this um, Ezekiel played very similar to, to Courtney Laws mm. for Saracens. So if you're looking for that sort of six slash second row, yeah, there's nowhere else to go. Is there? There's literally nowhere else to go. There's a handful of them in the world that are that good. Yeah, but, but there's there are, and, and Eddie Jones has has clearly been searching for um, Courtney Laws replacement when Courtney Laws um, eventually does either retire or move to France or whatever mm. um, in the next couple of years, probably after the next World Cup. Oh, Eddie Jones so doesn't you've... care about after the World Cup, does he? Sorry? Eddie Jones doesn't care about anything after, oh, nor should he, October well, 2023. But I know what you well, mean. Well, may, maybe not. but Because he, he's, he's got had... loads of options. Is it Ted Hill? Is it George Martin? Is it Ollie Chesham? Chesham? Yeah, he, he's been he's been almost... Um, auditioning for yeah. the Courtney Laws replacement. You're right. In in and those those three guys would be the first three caps off the rank. They're they're all tall enough to play um, second row, but athletic enough also to play back row. Big boys hit hard. I'm I'm not sure any of them. Uh, certainly right now, none of them are Courtney Laws. But I, I, I could see one of them making it. Um, maybe not as big, but one of them could be a fifty cap England international. Yeah. I'm just not sure which one. I could see Ted Hill doing that, you know. I could see Ted Hill kicking on. Uh, the amazing thing now with the salary cap and all the rest of it is, whereas you would have seen Ted Hill move to Saints or someone like that, um, a la Tom Wood or a la Dowson or you know, some, a move like that when they go from a small club to a big club, I don't think there's going to be an option for him to go anywhere. I think he's going to have to stay at Worcester and just develop there. But yeah, he'd well, be definitely one of them. As, as long as he gets paid. Yes. Well, yes, yeah, so that's it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That is the that is the rumor. Well, yeah. Well, rumor at the moment is Worcester. Some of their players have not not received their money. Well, I'll go one further. Do you remember the vaunted Academy House? 
the super fast Wi-Fi. Super fast Wi-Fi. Where, uh, he, well, let's not talk about what what went on there. Well, <laughs> no, I, I don't think anyone's using the super fast Wi-Fi at the moment because everyone's had to move out of there. Allegedly, allegedly, I've not been able to confirm this yet because no one picks up their phone. But uh, yeah, bailiffs showed up, so uh, it is a serious situation at Worcester. No one is currently in the academy house. Presumably, they're um, trying to. <laughs> save some money up for the inevitable £250,000 fine that's going to be hit, that they're going to be hit with for uh, failing to turn up to the Gloucester game. I tell you what, if only they had a really wealthy director of rugby who's desperate to buy a rugby club <laughs> at a distressed price and wouldn't think twice about doing it. Only that was the case. The Dimes Economic Forum is... Uh... Exactly. Let me take this asset off your hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, that That is really worrying, though, if... You've got a club not paying its players, if that is the case. It sounds like it's the case. I mean, according to the mail, it's the case. And, you know, I, yeah, it like, sounds like it's the case. So, yeah. uh, I mean, but there have been clubs in the past that have been a little bit sketchy with payments, whether it be to um, players' image rights or indeed agents. And it just hasn't happened for well, a long, long time. Running a business, I know that cash flow is uh, sometimes the, the money is there, but just not to hand yeah the in, the intent is there but the money's not to hand yeah yeah well we, we can all uh, we can all um sympathize with that but yeah sounds like quite a serious situation over in Worcester it does oh I'm not sure a director of rugby and slash owner of a rugby club is a great idea well that's I like you. emperor <laughs> Worcester emperor Steve Diamond <laughs> well you know when he was uh, when he's emperor last time they, uh, you know, a team did, did, did okay they won't go down because yeah, he, he owned a quarter of sale, didn't he? Or a fifth. Something like that. I mean, Some I, slice I, of it. A slice of sale he owned, yeah. So, you know, yeah. who knows? Who knows what happens next? He's, he certainly was a named director of sale, which yeah. which led to the very um, interesting thing that his birth date on, was different in two different places of the f- official um, documents on company's house. He had two different birthdays. Uh. I mean, uh, it, oh, un- unusual! If Ian Fleming was still alive and he encountered dimes, I'm pretty sure he'd make him in- into a character in one of the books. <laughs> He's definitely, definitely a bad guy. I don't know about that. <laughs> Here's an interesting one. We got an email here from Fred Hughes. Contact chases at gmail dot com. Uh, afternoon chaps, love the pod. Blah blah blah. George Ford's try yesterday. Did he ground it? I remember thinking this during the replay. Like, I'm not sure. Like, uh, give him the try. Whatever. I I would never chalk it off, but it did look like his forearm had contact with the yes. ground and not the ball. I'd give it, yeah. But I, 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 I mean, I, I'd give it, yeah. Of course, I would. Yeah, but, give give it for that piece of skill. Oh, it was awesome. The uh, the um, I don't know if you you saw it. The Blues fullback against uh, Leinster I after did about fifteen it. minutes basically did the same thing. Mm. He bounced the ball with no one around him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I say basically did the same thing. Um, it was more obvious, and it was and it was disallowed. So not yeah. quite the same thing. Yeah, and that was a silly finish too, was it not? Uh, no, it was just he just uh, went to put the ball down one handed. I feel that he was off his feet. No, no, he's just jogging along. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Any any more to say on uh, on Leicester Northampton? I'd I'd uh, so I'd, I'd like to ask a question. But I don't know whether it's a better question to ask now or... I, I tell you what, let's ask it now because I think it will lead us into the other game. And the, the question I wanted to ask was, there were three England fly halves playing this weekend. Okay. Um, all three 
competing for the 10 shirt, although admittedly one of them might wear a 12 shirt. But who had the best game? Freddie Burns. <laughs> uh, well, well the, the Premiership Rugby picture for Here's Your Final has Freddie Burns and Owen Farrell on the <laughs> facing each other. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned this. I am so... <laughs> Let me just answer... Hold that. Let me just answer Phil's question. Um, Owen Farrell uh, and, and George Ford. Well, they, they were all brilliant. They were all they were all awesome. No, George Ford was so good. George Ford showed himself up a bit in defence, to be fair. That would be my critique. As did Owen Farrell. Uh... uh uh, they all showed weaknesses to me. They're not. Oh, I, I think they all showed so many strengths. They were up against great teams. They were up against great teams. And, and George Ford had to do without Dan Kelly, and they changed the system with Freddie, Bur- Freddie Burns, and he pulled the strings. Yeah, oh, it's a really, it's a real tough one. I'm tempted to say George Ford, but like, had Marcus Smith shown the bit of skill for that um, Nick Tompkins try? Was it? Uh, oh, for Saracens. The, the offload was very, very the, the cool. Step, the, the, the road the contact, step, fend, offload. I don't think Owen Farrell did that a year, even a year ago. Oh, I, think I wonder yeah. if he's stronger in his upper body now that he, he's finding it. Because he's doing that more and more. He's massive though, Owen Farrell. Yeah, that's what he's, he's, a, he's a big boy. He's kind of like a bad... Um, do you remember David Screller back in the day? <laughs> kind of a, a worse version of him. Uh, <laughs> his, it's um, a joke. Speaking, a joke. Of, speaking of Farrell's strength, the the uh, tackle that he rode um, from Jack Walker, yeah, where Jack Walker f- went full bore to level Faz, and Jack Walker was the one who got leveled. Yeah, which, which I mean that that in itself is a talking point, but we, and we'll yellow card, yellow card talking <laughs> point from the Saracens Quinns game in a bit. But who who would you if you if you just just purely on that performance if you had to rate one as one of the best. And well, I, and then the, I'll, the one I'll two, tell the, you who, the, who the, mine is after that. I bet you're going to say, no, it doesn't matter. Well, I, I, I would, I would go um, again. Bearing in mind, I was, I, I haven't rewatched the Saracens game, so I didn't see all of the second half. I would, but I would go one four, two Farrell, three Smith. Do you know what? Farrell made a horrendous, a horrendous attempt to tackle Marcus Smith. Awful, dreadful, um, embarrassing. In fact, it pains me to say this though. After that, he just grew and grew and grew and grew. He's undeniable. It's 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 upsetting, but yeah, I'd have to say it's Farrell. He, he's no, he's like Thanos. He's inevitable. Yeah, he is, isn't he? <laughs> like it just, I thought Marcus Smith had him on toast all day long until he didn't after thirty minutes, and then that was the end of that. What do you think, Phil? I I think the best individual performance, the best team performance or most dominant team performance was Saracens. So from if you were judging on that regard, you'd go uh, Faz. But I I think the best individual performance was Ford. And it's interesting because I was thinking about this earlier today and thinking about the the Ford try, which was a beautiful bit of skill. And I was thinking, how many times did he try that in the game, that little show and go? And I couldn't, I couldn't actually recall him um, doing that any other times. Do you know? This... And do, do you know how many carries he had in the whole game, George Ford? Three. One. Uh, just the one for the try. That was it. Wow. Just had he had one attempt. And he just picked the perfect moment and went for it. And that that was the um, <laughs> the consequence of him picking the right moment. So. 
on that alone, I think, and, and, and Ford, I think, well, Northampton was the better team for much of the first half, should have been two tries up at half time, but Ford kept them in the game and then last 20 minutes and that moment for his try and his his hands for the um, yes. Freddie Stewart try yes. was incredible. Yeah, That pass, he, he had the ball for a fraction of a second, less than half a second was the ball in his hands and he picks out an inch perfect miss pass um, for Stewart to run onto with two defenders bearing down on him. Yeah, yeah Just th- those two moments were in- like world-class, incredible. It's fun- funny you mentioned the Ford show and go because I had this discussion with um, one of the coaches in, in Talk H, the director of rugby, the emperor of Talk H. And um, <laughs> yeah, we basically came to the same conclusion, which is... Uh, he only, you know, he he makes one break. He tries it once, and he, you know, the the skill is to identify the one time that Northampton gave him that one opportunity. And those are the margins that you're talking about when it comes to Premiership semi-finals, and and to get it right as well. Yeah, so just have that to, the one and nail it is amazing. But uh, I, I think I think all three, all three had brilliant moments. Like the the Marcus Smith um, a breakthrough, the Faz tackle Faz and Aled Davis he went through for the the offload to care or the pass to care for care's try that was exceptional that was world class as well if if another nation had those three in a match day 23 we, we wouldn't you wouldn't bat an eyelid you you totally give the nod so they've got to all be involved in this yeah. summer yeah I, it's hard isn't it? it's hard to make room for three fly halves which is, well, I guess, why you put Farrell at 12. But I don't think you get the best out of them at 12. I mean, I just don't. And I don't like this chat about them being dual playmakers. You've got to pass the ball to somebody. Well, so, that, that, that's what works. It's worked for Northampton. Dan Bigger will be the first person to say that Rory Hutchinson is the reason why Dan Bigger looks so good. Yeah, but if Rory Hutchinson's not in there, the second playmaker will be... Here's um, Francis. No, the other boy. Furbank. Furbank, yeah. So that's how they line up. And then... You have other things from Hutchinson, like his, his stepping and his carrying. He's not he's not a playmaker. Oh, he's not just a playmaker. He's also a destination for the ball to land in his hands, and he's a good strike runner too. So he's multi-purpose. I don't see Farrell as being that multi-purpose guy. He is the second playmaker. So if you've got those two playmakers, everyone else has got to be a strike runner or something. Then you have you know Freddie Stewart maybe playing 15. Now, I don't think he is a particularly good strike runner. So you've got a very conservative fullback what you're going to do you're going to have all you know the two wingers and one thir- and one 13 you need people coming onto the ball that's why it works so well with freeman because his lines are so crisp and so sharp so I, I don't know how they square the circle but i'm not convinced with what they have available to them that it's the um well particularly when you've got slade too if slade plays at 13 you don't need a second pair of hands at, hands at 12 so i i, I would have I would have Smith and Faz probably. Or, or I, I always liked um, Ford and Faz, and I still I still do like Ford and yeah, Faz. I do. I, I think it just works. I think it works well. I you, you're right. You've got to have the right runners around them, but I think England have got enough options for for thirteen and the outside backs to do that. Here's a question for you: Of the Premiership, okay, you've got the four fly halves playing this week. Is there a better fly half who did not make the playoffs? No, the no. four best. So that's I guess. I guess there's a lesson there. You need there's you need one of the four best fly halves to get in, get, get into playoffs. If if you'd have asked that um, two years ago, you would have said Joe Simmons was 
although even even last year would was certainly competing with those four or of a similar caliber. But I don't think he's actually. I don't think he is. And even when he won the double yeah. and won Europe, I don't think he's quite at the same level as yeah. Ford, Faz, Smith, and and bigger. You- Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Also had uh, three England scrum halves on the field because Danny Kerr has been uh, <laughs> called up for the first time since 2018. Eddie Jones has called up Danny Kerr to the England squad. I really want to see Mitchell have a go for England. I, yeah. think, I think he's the one that could do I, it. I've got a lot of time for Mitchell. But, but just, just just on Danny Kerr because this is he's four years. He's been playing unbelievably and he's left him sat on the sidelines and he brings him back at the age of 35, uh, just over a year out from a World Cup. I what, would. What's, yeah, of course I would. But um, I'm really pleased. And yeah. rather than going, what's he been doing, actually, I should focus on the fair play. Good. Hold that. Although although Daniel Woods has emailed, uh, contact headchasers at gmail.com, and he says, uh, I have to say, Eddie Jones calling up Danny Kerr for the first time in four years for an uncapped game is uh, for England is typical Jones shithousery. Feels like he wants to do all he can to prevent Kerr from playing for the Barbars and showing England what they've been missing all this time. If Kerr is genuinely in Jones's plans for the World Cup or s- Summer Tour, then the last thing the 84-cap DC needs to do is prove himself in what is little more than an exhibition game. If I was Kerr, I'd be tempted to turn down the call-up and have a crack, a cracking week with the bar-bars on the beers. Let the boys play, Dan Woods. Yeah. No, he's got... Uh, sorry, who's that from? Dan Woods. Oh, Dan Woods. Okay. Um, we're a bit late to this, but this is from... Um, oh, yeah. Last year. Shall I... Whip out? I've only got yours and Phil's. Where's mine, then? And the other the other Harlequins and Northampton players that have been called up are Alex Mitchell, as we said, uh, Lewis Ludlam, Courtney Laws, Tommy Freeman from Northampton, and from Quinns also Alex Dombrant, Joe Marchant, Danny Kerr, as I mentioned, Marcus Smith, and Jack Walker. Jack Walker and, and Will Collier. Oh, Will Collier as well. Yeah, that's cool. I, I was a bit disappointed. I wanted Hugh Tizard to be picked uh, to be called up as well because I think second row is an area we need. Well, it's also, uh, unless I've missed something, there's only two second rows in the current squad. One of them is uh, JB's favourite. Yes, one of them is. Our favourite, our collective favourite. Charlie Yules. So in the the current squad, there's two second rows and four tight head props. So if you two have finished gassing, um, there's something that we forgot to do last week, so I'll hand these to Tim. I don't know where mine is. I wrote one. But these were our predictions for the table. Now, Oh, yeah, we put them in our North Dorset uh, Sevens winning trifle bowl. Yes. Um, we now, put them in our predictions for the top four. Mine's not there, but I'm happy to remind you, I said, off the top of my head, it was going to be Leicester, Saracens, Harlequins and Northampton. <laughs> where is yours? I don't know. I did, I did joke. <laughs> I did joke when we wrote those down that, JB, yours would go suspiciously I, missing. I honestly haven't, I haven't moved them. you right all along. <laughs> yeah. 
I haven't moved them. You, you said Sale would be champions. You said... Um, fish, fish top, yeah. I think I had Bristol in there. I had Tigers in there. I did not have it. And London Irish. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Phil, I've got yours here, and I've got mine. So my prediction, uh, Phil predicted that first place in the table would be Exeter Bristol. Chiefs. Lowell. Exeter, you said. Number oh, one. Did, I say, oh, did I say Bristol's champions? Uh, you said Bristol would be champions, and your Ugh. your top to bottom in the table was Exeter, Saracens. You've got Saracens in the right position. Bristol, Quinns. You've got Quinns in the top four. Leicester, Sale, Wasps, Northampton, Bath, Irish, Gloucester, Worcester, Newcastle. Not a bad shout, that. Re- re- reasonable. A lot of people in, in the right areas. I said Bristol would finish top. <laughs> Sale would finish second. Exeter would finish third. Oh, God. Oh, goodness me. And I said Saracens would finish fourth. Uh, Leicester and Quinns, five. uh, Leicester, Quinns, Saints, five, six, seven. Wasps, Bath, Irish, eighth, ninth, tenth. Falcons, Gloucester, Worcester. I'm so sorry, Gloucester. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where mine is. I'm quite annoyed about that. Yeah, never mind. And I said the champions would be Sale. I, Mm. I know nothing. No, <laughs> I know nothing. The salary cap makes a fool out of everybody, I'm afraid. Yeah, that, God. But my table was not dissimilar from a lot of pundits. Well, you're part of the pundit class. Yeah, maybe that's it. What do we all know? Yeah, so there we go. Let's talk about uh, Saracens Harlequins then. Well, do, before, just before that, we did just touch on the England squad oh, for the Barbars. And Tim, you mentioned a few of the names. There, there are a couple of other names who've got in there. Um Oh, Caden There's... Murley, I didn't mention as well. Who, sorry? Caden Murley is is he is he not been, has he been added? Yes, he has. Oh. I think I've got a feeling. No, he has. no, no. Oh. no, he's not. Um, although um, on the Murley Liner debate, Murley did not get added, but Lewis Liner was specifically referenced that he was out of the squad due to injury. Oh, they on? They um, but a um, couple of interesting ones in the front row. Um, in Will Goodrich, Will Goodrick Clark, who I've admired for quite a long time, actually. big strong I mean, boy. I think he's very good, big, big strong boy, and um, big strong boy. Although he probably needs a little bit of work. Um, Patrick Schickling is in there. Very big, very yeah. strong, very South African. Uh, Namibian, is he not? Namibian. Sorry, is it same difference? Big, big strong boy though. Yeah. Um, other than that. Yeah, kind of predictable given how many people are missing through both um, Leicester and Saracens. And obviously the care call-up is is good. I'm, I'm very happy for care to be called up because he's he's been playing brilliant rugby for, well, for, for a very long time. Well, for 2,328 2, minutes this season, he's been playing brilliant rugby. Uh, so. when, when While he's not been off. Um, with his, I think, six yellow cards this season. Yeah, uh, my, my tip would be just a little life pro tip. If you want to get um, your other half, if your other half, uh, what does whatever, if if you want to get your other half to watch some rugby this weekend, get them to watch the Barbars England game because Charles Olivon is playing. Oh, really? And devilishly handsome. Wow. Um, I'm glad somebody mentioned before that the poster for the Premiership contained Freddie Burns. And Owen Farrell. Owen Farrell. I mean, I don't know who's in charge of. I do know who's in charge of comms, but 
Here's um <laughs> here's a tweet which absolutely blew my mind. Now I say blew my mind. I know it's a tweet, and we shouldn't take Twitter um too seriously. But imagine this. Imagine a scenario where you work for a sports team. Not only do you work for a sports team, you're the CEO and a, a, a sports organization. Yeah, a sports organization, right? Yeah. So you know, these organizations, the thing about the thing about them is they're weird. They're sort of a hybrid between the competitive side and the business side. But generally speaking, everybody in that organization is pulling in one direction to get to the ultimate place, which is to win a title. So to get to the semi-final for the whole organization is an enormous achievement. And teams being teams, they want it to be all about the team. That's why they don't do media so much. That's why, you know, they don't want the players to be speaking out too much. It's all about the team. And with all of this going on, what do you think the Premiership, the Premier Rugby Director of Comms decided to tweet about this upcoming game? What was the special thing about this game? What Freddie really, Burns. What really defined this game? Freddie Burns. Nope. Nope. Can you can you can you can you guess what might define? You know, all the caps on display, the four best fly halves, the brutal season, the unfortunate in uh, the unfortunate injuries. You know, the, the debuts made throughout the season, someone like Aaron Hinckley. What was the thing which really sold this to the fans? Go on, you're going to have to tell us. That two of the CEOs were female. Isn't that just an amazing achievement? Isn't that just such an amazing achievement? He actually made this whole thing about their gender, which I'm sure even they didn't want because it's all about the team. It is so cringeworthy and patronising. And when you're in charge of selling the game, it's not that difficult, is it? No one's gone to that game because the two CEOs are female. Well, that is, no, that's the final, isn't it? Saracens and... Oh, Leicester. you're right. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's clearly why they got to the final then. Correlation is causation. Well, that, yeah, that's that's like um, early days of the pandemic where everyone was pointing to Germany and New Zealand and the reason for their success, uh, I mean, uh, air quotes, success, um, was because they had Angela Merkel and um, Jacinda Ardern as their, their um, leaders. Im, Im, that, Im, that must be the reason why they were brilliant. Imagine, uh, like, you know, egg chasers became one of the world... Well, even bigger than it is, you know, not not in the world's top ten, but like the top five podcasts in in, in the world. And someone highlighted, do you know what's amazing about this? JB's dyslexic. Like that's not a compliment. That's not a compliment. You, you know, it's almost as if he believes they can't achieve things. It's the 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 bigotry of low expectations, isn't it? The damning with faint praise. Or, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, even a woman can, 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 can do it. Well done. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. All, brilliant all, all round. We've had quite a few uh, messages about the cards in this game. Uh, I'll just uh, pick on one, for example. Um, Patrick Tipsord, a frustrated Quinns fan, says, Quick question from the first semi-final. I think Luke Pearce has had a shocker on all the high tackles committed by Saracens in the entirety of the regular season, all 26 rounds. Every single yellow card would have been ruled a red card, with each one having direct contact to the head. In the laws, there's nothing that states the level of impact can you please explain to me why we never have consistency? Well, there is level of danger, isn't there? Which I guess is the same thing. Well, I, wa- I watched a little bit of the um, the Super Rugby semi-finals, and when the decision was is being made, they have a little box pop up with the three questions, which I think would be quite a useful thing to happen. It says, um, or at least the, the the questions that the referees ask, it just pops up in the left hand, and it says direct contact to the head? Question mark. Degree of force, question mark. Mitigating circumstances, question mark. And those, that's the process. Yeah, okay. So ask, ask that process again. 
or say up with the gun, sorry. Direct contact to the head. Yeah, so this is the tricky one because I'll give you an example. I think that when Walker smashed into Owen Farrell, Owen Farrell sort of leads with his shoulder, rugby league style, and the impact of Owen Farrell's shoulder sort of makes Walker ride up and then clash heads. So there was definitely head contact, but was it initial head contact? And I think that is probably a better question. Is the initial contact with the head or neck, not is there contact with head or neck? Well, it's, yeah, the framework is direct contract, contract, um, contact to the head. Yeah, but that could be so that, that, subsequent direct and contact. I, I think in, in the one that you're talking about, it is the, the first contact is kind of chest to shoulder. Yeah. So it is indirect contact with the head. But then the second one on, on that one, because I do think now my understanding of the laws have, after seeing him applied is that if you are upright and even if the first contact is chest to shoulder and then it's subsequent head to head, that is still a red. I think that can be brought up as a mitigating circumstance. If they're both upright, because there's no lowering of height, is there then? Yeah, I know. Well, so you, I'll, I'll leave you two to sort of go over the, the decisions. Um, but just as a general rule of thumb i can't help thinking that one of the things we've said quite a lot lately is uh, particularly you jb you said this for a long long time is a lot of rugby's problems would be solved if you just if twitter was wasn't a, wasn't a factor <laughs> i can't help thinking that this framework this decision tree the questions that the referees ask is basically to sell the decision to an audience that is waiting salivating ready to tweet a, 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 mm. a, a response to it and actually you say you like, take like, welfare seriously. In the case of Osh and Heffernan, for example, not not wanting to go back over the game, but like just you look at that and you go, right, all right, play on, or seatbelt tackle, penalty. But when you go through that, was there contact ahead? Well, yeah, you could argue that a bit of his forearm brushed, mm-hmm. brushed the chin of the Leicester player. And it. so I don't, I understand the framework and the whole point is it's meant to get the consistency. Actually, what you lose as Rob Baxter's talked about many times and a lot of players talk about, particularly when the microphones aren't rolling, they will talk about it, that you might get... They're, they're striving for consistency. What you get is inconsistency and a total lack of empathy. Yeah, well, Tom Wood said it best. Rugby's, da- rugby's going downhill from now. So that would, be, that would be that. If I was Saracens when Walker smashed into... Or, sorry, Owen Farrell smashed into Walker, which is probably a better description of what happened... I'd rushed up and said, sir, it's definitely not a yellow card because you want to see what we've got in store for later. So you know, <laughs> just, just, try and, just try and set that. Because if Walker's is a yellow card, this, I mean, Lozowski is a red all day long. I've not seen a more reddish red card um, than that. That is so red. I thought that Billy's was probably a red, and I can't remember the third one. Bailey. Yeah, I don't remember that, actually. Did that, did that look reddish to you? Um, I, I think all three of those Saracens ones could could have been given as red in, on a different day. And I've, I found, we kind of touched on it before, but I found Luke Pierce's interpretation of the the force or the degree of danger um, unusual. Yeah, I did as Certainly well. Certainly I've not seen it um, be applied like that, where he basically said on, on the Walker and the Billy one, uh, yeah, those those two in particular, and and the um, Lazowski one as well, actually, that because the tackler didn't make a dominant hit, yes, there can't it, there can't have been a high degree of danger. So Billy's which, was fascinating because 
Billy was not trying to get knocked over. It's just Esther Hayes no. was a monster. If that was, say, me carrying the ball, I would have died. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, half, half of the Harlequins team carrying the ball would have been severely, severely hit by Billy because he's a monster. So and it this, just happens to be, it's Esther Hayes. This is a point that you make, Tim, about Faf de Klerk. Yeah. The Faf de Klerk rule. Yeah, I, I, it's happened several times. Faf de Klerk's made a clear high shot, but because he's tiny, nothing nothing happens. Yeah, he's like hanging it, around it, people's necks. He's like an alien face hugger. <laughs> it, it's exactly that. So it's, it's astonishing that um, Billy Vanapola can benefit from the Faf de Klerk law. But it, yeah. there's, there's almost no other rugby player on the planet that Billy Vanapola wouldn't have absolutely levelled. Um, but because he it was Esther Hazen, he didn't. Yeah. It's like a tax on being strong and powerful, isn't it? And people can headshot you and no one cares. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is. And it's a it's a benefit to be weaker. You can you can um chicken wing with impunity if you're Fafter Clerk. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's it's that so that is definite inconsistency. And I, I actually don't like the inconsistency in the way it's applied. In in the same way that um <laughs> slight, slightly going off topic, but um if attempted murder should should come with the same penalty as murder, just because you're you're bad at what you're doing, yeah. Plus, you and incompetence, you shouldn't get a, a benefit. There shouldn't be a premium for you being bad at what you're doing, exactly. what you're trying to do. Well, so Fafter Clerk, if he tries to do um, a shoulder arm to someone's head and he doesn't actually do any damage, he should still get a red card. Yeah. Now, the one which got me was. Lazowski, and I hate the idea that oh he was out of control. So you're in the defensive line, a very fast player comes towards you, and you can't change your height quick enough, and you catch him high. Oh he wasn't in control, he's reckless, so on and so forth. I don't like that definition. But when you are sprinting up towards a player, and you are clearly out of control, you made the decision to be out of control. That is a clear decision to be reckless. Uh, I didn't think there was a single mitigating circumstance for Alex Lazowski. He should have gone. He should have walked. Because that is where you come, actually... That's, that is one of the few situations where I think, yeah, you could avoid making making a big collision and injuring someone there by just taking a tiny bit of pace off it. And that's why players don't blitz in that in that manner. Because the danger of doing so for your team of you getting a card is so, so high. And also what happened to Lazowski uh, is you're getting bounced off um, mm. Also, so yeah, very very disappointing that I, I thought that was a red card. Yeah, I, I was surprised, but the problem the problem that Luke Pierce had got was because at that point he's he's dished out three yellow cards, um, and he he's almost and particularly the Billy Esther Hazen one. Yeah, the force the the force in that collision was enormous, I, absolutely monumental force. If that doesn't meet the threshold of force for it to be um, a high degree of danger, then no tackle possibly can do. Like, no, no tackle I've ever witnessed can no. do. Yeah, can do. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, he's backed himself into a corner by him making those decisions. Completely agree with everything and Luke, Luke, Luke Pace is a great referee, but I think, I think he made a few errors there. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. We talk about consistency. I guess in the context of this game, he was consistent. 
but he, not he was, in the context, not in the context of, of season. the season yeah. or anything else. But let the boy, I guess, just let the boys know. Look, today we're not really playing what we have played for the rest of the season. So let, you let, go for it. Let the boys play. Yeah, go wild. Uh, Chris Pridmore, oh. just to, just to round this one off, he's emailed us and says, uh, "I'm neither a Saracens or a Quinns fan, so no bias here." But my goodness, Saracens are the Richie McCaw of the Premiership. By which I mean they're amazing, but because of that, they get away with absolute murder. You need multiple hands to count the clear number of offsides missed and slowing rucks illegally. As for the well, but if you don't get penalised for it, it wasn't an infringement. Yeah. Uh, as mm. for the three high shots, how on earth Lozowski's was only a yellow baffles me. Um, any other club and there's two red cards, Loz and Daly being mm. those uh, overall quality team. But they were if they were ref to the same degree as other teams, they'd be much more beatable. Well, uh, uh, so he's drawing the comparison with Richie McCaw. Maybe I'm not fair. suggesting that it's every player's job to cheat as much as they can. Yeah, I, um, yeah. He, he, I'll tell you another guy that tried to cheat and it did not go well for him at all. And it's a shame, really, because I really admire this guy. I think he's a great player. But I thought Will Evans was completely ineffective to the point that, you know, if the referee let everything that Saracens did go, he had no time for Will Evans. And I think after the first three penalties he'd given away, it basically killed Will Evans' game for the for the rest of the match. He just couldn't afford to get near, near Rucks. And that was a shame because he's one of the best exponents of the turnover ball, of the jackal. And within five, 10 minutes, it's been it's basically been communicated to him that you can't play your game. Yeah, that that and um, Ben Earl bowling ball him, him out of the way for Ben Earl's first try. Yeah. He, he did have a quite a tough day. It'd be all the all the Will Evans. Um Will Will Evans. Yes. Oh sorry, I thought you said Adams. Um right. <laughs> just yeah. to just to balance it up as well, Andy Riley is a Saracens fan and his thoughts on the incidents are Walker, a rugby incident. Uh, Daly, first contact with shoulder, pen only. Billy, first contact, ball on chest, pen only. Loz, he just he just wanted a kiss and got denied. Mm, yeah, I, <laughs> it's an interpretation. It's one way to look at it, certainly. Well, congratulations, Andy. Uh, uh, you talked about Will Evans. Ben Earl on the other side justified his selection as Premiership Player of the Season. Yeah, completely. I didn't realise that, that he got a hat trick. I knew he got two, but yeah, uh, hat trick. Pretty, pretty good stuff. Yeah, he was awesome. So, uh, can you imagine the build-up for this game internally? I can only imagine that Saracens have been calling Harlequins frauds all week, and Harlequins have been calling Saracens cheats all week. That, that's kind of how I think it went down. So Harlequins have been saying, look, these guys cheated their way to, way to the top and now they don't have the money, they don't have the squad, we're going to go and batter them. No, I reckon Saracens just pinned up the things that Quinn's have been saying and they said, we're, we're, we're not going to say anything oh. and we're, we're going to do our talking at one thirty on Saturday I would be, and they did. I'd be amazed, right, if Saracens weren't talking about Quinn's been frauds. Look, they win the Premiership one year that we're not there and now, and now they think that they run London. No, not I, having I, it. I, I can't... Bet. I can't see McCall or Farrell doing that, and no, they are, they are the two guys. No, I can't see Owen Farrell doing that. I I can see I can just see Owen Farrell going, just saying they're doing all the talking. We're gonna yeah. we are gonna smash them. Oh, I don't know. I I think the fact that Quinns are champions, and they feel that they should have been champions. Yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. That was going through their mind. How could it not? Mm. Yeah, I I I can imagine it being used. Not yeah. not as the sole piece of ammunition but I can see it being used oh they'd be using it oh f- for sure yeah yeah but uh, what I'm saying is that they, they wouldn't be ones sort of making talking them yeah I, I just I, I, can I I love Owen Farrell so much I love him I know you hate him but even JB's got a, I can see you're coming round on the Farrell train look he was reasonable okay he was he was, he was reasonable <laughs> 
this game still missed it, you know. Uh, he did. He did miss. He missed one out of eleven tackles, which was an important one because it led on to first a phase. Come on, come on. That's not professional. Um, <laughs> so, a few observations on Saracens. Number one, uh, I think Nick Tompkins is really, really good. At, good. At, good at rugby. Not only can he attack like he did a few weeks ago, and he looked great. Uh, his defence, he seems just to bang everything now. It's very almost bad. He's not got the... And he's not just good in because he plays for Saracens, which is, again, you're coming round, you're no, coming no. round to Saracens much more. I, I can saw, see this. He is just good because he plays for Saracens. I've, I saw him at, at, at Dragons, not for me. Um, <laughs> or maybe Dragons isn't for him, and I can completely understand that, for, for, for the record. Maybe if he went to a comparable organisation, he'd be just as good. He's not quite as reliable as Brad Barrett was back in the day, but he does offer something more than Brad Barrett with his running game and all the rest of it. But, you know, it just, he seems to be developing into a real senior player now, which is great. The other thing as well is the way that that Saracens pack is constructed is just devastating. Uh, McFarland is a great find. We spoke about him last week. When Ezekwe came off the bench, their line-out is just devastating because Marrow's ace, McFarland's ace, and then Ezekwe's ace. And Ezekwe steals. I wouldn't say they turned the game, but you know, they had a large part in say in you know in shutting Quint Quint Quinn's down towards the end. If Quinn's can't win the line up ball, well, what are you gonna do now? So mm. yeah, all yeah, all sorts to Vin- all sorts to Vincent Cox been one of the players of the season for me. Yeah. Although they oh. weren't doing well in the scrum. The the opening exchanges in uh, at scrum time all went Quint all went Quint Quinn's way. I do agree. Yeah, Vincent Cox Quinn's, is a great Quinn started well. Uh, but anyway, Vincent Cox, he's, he's now an outside centre, isn't he? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> With that line for the Aled yeah. Davis try. Awesome. Oh, that's another one. Aled Davis. Aled Davis makes a mockery out of Welsh, Welsh rugby. I thought he was terrible. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was just some guy who plays at one of the regions who, you know, we'll see him for a few caps and that'll be it. His game has come on so much at Saracens. His kicking out hand is fantastic. Um, he looks like a scrum half who deserves to win the league now. I mean, he might not be the absolute best scrum half operating in the Premiership, but he's very good. He's certainly a lot better than I thought he was. Well, what I would say on Ali Davis is, uh, and maybe this is probably the biggest indictment of of Welsh regional rugby, is that, and also this should be one of the biggest feathers in the cap for Saracens. People, you know, you understandably talk about the salary cap thing. Fine, they're not going to be able to change that. People talk about that, but the way they have upskilled him. Yeah, that's amazing coaching Isn't on Saracens' it? part and work ethic on Alan Davis's part, and that's where Welsh regional rugby is, is clearly missing out. They said about Rob Howley back in the day when Rob Howley was at Cardiff. Well, actually, they said Rob Howley said he said at Cardiff he used to finish training and the boys used to go and play pool and drink. And at Wasps, it's the first time that he could train as hard as he wanted to without it feeling a little bit unusual. Now, I'm sure that is not regional rugby now, but. There are parallels with Alan Davis. He seems to be able to work as hard as he wants to work now and get skilled to that level. Maybe it's moving out of Wales, maybe it's a different environment, maybe it's just Saracens, but whatever's going on there, he has come on leaps and bounds, and it's an absolute credit to him. Unfortunately, he's not available to Wales because of their stupid inward-looking policies. Mm. And he'd be very useful now, very useful indeed. Yeah, because he's learned in an incredible environment. Yeah. I mean, why do you not... Yeah, exactly. Why do you not want a guy like that walking through the doors at the Millennium Stadium telling you, telling you how to win? Because they have mm. only a handful of players that have ever won anything at club level. Just, and he'd be one of them. Just uh, on the Premiership uh, Player of the Season awards, uh, 
Henry Arundel winning Young Player of the Year, having made three Premiership appearances. Exactly. What's What's, what yeah. on earth is going on? Yeah, I completely. Yeah, agree but with that. his his highlight reel. That try he scored in semi was it semi final of Europe? Yeah, amazing. Oh yeah, amazing. Quarter quarter final of the the losing quarter final of the Challenge Cup was amazing. So he wins the Premiership Young Player of the Season. <laughs> well done. Good work, everyone. Yeah, it doesn't seem that Harry Arundel as good as he is. Kind of deserves that. Well, there are other young players that have contributed more to Premiership to the Premiership this season. Hugh Tizard, yeah, that would definitely yeah. be one of them. That that'd be it's, one. It's the Premiership side of it, isn't it? Yeah, he is a brilliant player. He, he actually, I I do. I, I kind of said it in jest um, a little while ago, but I actually do think he he merits an England call up, but he doesn't merit Young Player of the Year for the Premiership. Like that that that, that sort of award matters. Yeah, it, it does, really it? matters. Like Tommy Freeman. Yeah, he's there. You good. go. He's been awesome. So yeah, there's there's a bunch of candidates. I would. Caden Murley, one of the uh, George Martin, Ollie Chasm. Yeah, uh, either either of those two. There's loads, isn't there? There's loads. Yeah, so it, it makes a bit of a farce of it. So I'm, I'm I don't know. I, it's called the discovery of the season because it's sponsored by Land Rover, and it just feels like the, the judges have sort of I don't know. <laughs> Taken that a bit too literally, rather than because because this should really matter. Discovery of the year. I'd have felt a little bit embarrassed if I was Henry. Arundel. Why, they, why haven't they got Defender of the Year? That's such an obvious Land Rover kind of thing, isn't it? Most tackles, Defender of the Year. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that that's is so obvious. That's a great show. Yeah, Discovery of the Year, Defender of the Year. Um, there you go. You just made a bit more cash for Prem Rugby. Yeah, do you know I don't I don't like Land Rover. Uh, I don't like. Them. I spoke to their sponsorship uh, lady one time, who then went to McLaren or somewhere, and she said, "Yeah, we're not really interested. We're more into grassroots rugby." It's like, what are you talking about, you psychopath? Like, have you ever listened to us? Obviously not. Terrible at the job. So anyway, she's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because we're not a grassroots podcast. That like, is true. Yeah, when you said grassroots, you meant we're, like we're too elite. Yeah, yeah, we're too good. Exactly. Yeah, we know who the grassroots guys are, really. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable! We want more grassroots. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, it, when we were talking about the the final, we were expecting this was the one we were expecting. When we uh, the, the two defeated time uh, teams would have made an an insane final. Yeah, I think if um, I think if Harlequins met Leicester, I see Harlequins winning that one. I maybe this has got arm wrestle written all over it, hasn't it? Yeah. So. Here's the thing I think. Rug- <sighs> There's like a rugby narcissism, which is everyone should be able to play, everyone should be able to handle, handle the ball, everyone can attack from 1 to 15, and there's yeah, there's some merit to being able to upskill players so they can do lots of things. I thought you were going to say there's some merit to being able to catch and pass. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it, look, it happens, <laughs> right? But the reason rugby is so cool and the reason it's so good is because you can be a guy who doesn't touch the ball and have a massive impact on your team because every time you touch the ball, presumably someone else isn't touching the ball. There's an opportunity cost. So maybe it's best if you're really good at rucking. I mean, if, if I'm carrying the ball, it means that Phil might have to ruck. I might be a better a better rucker than Phil and Phil might be, be, be the fly-half. What is the point in that? Just so we can all develop our skills to be the best that we can be. And it's not about the best that we can be, it's about the best that the team can be. So I hate all this, all oh, everyone's got to be be upskilled. I was, I'd worry that a Harlequins Northampton final might just be the ammunition that these sort of new age coaches need for that kind of awful, awful rugby. When actually it's about doing the best thing for your team. And also it's about being disciplined and system driven and or and or and all the rest of it. Which is certainly the case 
lower down the leagues. I do like this final because it has all of those bits and pieces plus a bit more. And I think you're right in saying it's going to be an arm wrestle. That's not to say these two teams can't score a lot of points. I've been very impressed with with Leicester's bat, bat play, particularly Porter and Potter. And then they've got something a little bit different in Nadolo too. So whatever happens, I do think the Tigers' uh, attacking play is going to severely test Saracens. Just whilst I'm thinking aloud, the one thing they can't do, and one thing Quinns did do, is think you're getting on top of Saracens because you've entered their 22. And you start one-up carrying, trying to be very conservative. Because that feeds into what Saracens love to do, which is defend. And then they feed off that energy, and then they'll eventually turn you over, and then they'll be high-fiving and celebrating in your face, and then they've got the momentum. So you can't do that. You've got to keep your ambition and keep your width when you're playing against them tight. Mm. Tight to that line, I, I, I should say. I, I, there's there's a, an interesting point that you made about um, less, so last week, I think you made this, about um, Leicester have kind of narrowly won a lot of games this season. Mm. And you, there was almost like a negative aspect to the way that you said it because they, they've not put teams to bed who arguably they should have put to bed. But they've been in these kind of arm wrestles time and time again this season and come out on top time and time again. And they did, in this in this Northampton game, it was an arm wrestle until the last 20, 25 minutes. It was very, very close. Mm. And Leicester did enough to come out on top for, for reasons that we discussed before. And so Leicester will... This, this will exactly be an arm wrestle. And Leicester know how to win in tight games in arm wrestles because they've done it all season. However, Saracens have been in arm wrestles and much of this Saracens team has been in arm wrestles, not just this season, but for years and years and years and in tight final arm wrestles in premierships, in Champions Cup finals and won far, far more, not just with the pressure of maintaining um, uh, an unbeaten season, which Leicester did kind of until halfway and not just maintaining an unbeaten home record, which I think Leicester um, have done all season, but with real silverware on the line. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think this will be an arm wrestle. And in that kind of arm wrestle, while Leicester have been good at doing it this season, it will come down to Saracens, Nelson experience. And so my money is on Saracens. 17, 17 of Leicester's 23 Yesterday, that was their very first ever Premiership semi-final. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, wow. they're wearing a historic shirt, but it's a very young team, whereas the Saracens' experience in big games is going to be massive. Being able to look at Farrell, um, but Otoji and George... I, I feel, Phil, I feel JB the, starting the to get right on board the Farrell train. He's he's begrudgingly <laughs> loving the man. Yeah, I, I've, always, I've, always, I've always respected him. But there's, you know, on a serious note, there's no denying that he knows how to win. There's no denying that, particularly for Saracens. Maybe not for England, but particularly for Saracens. And Je- did you see, Jay- uh, like, so Joe Marler had his interview. Jamie George had an interview in another paper as well, and he was talking about Owen Farrell. I think it was in the Times, actually, as well. He was uh, talking about Owen Farrell being like, he said, when you watch the Last Dance documentary and it's Jordan as they get towards the playoffs and the way that he's just geeing everyone up, he says it, it's like Owen Farrell's got that kind of intensity and he's been an unbelievable leader and Mark McCall was asked about that before the game and just said Owen has been incredible and I, I just think that they've got lots of characters like that but um, 
they've got lots of characters like that, but they've got him at, at the helm. And uh, yeah, I, I just think they're going to be um, inevitable. Yeah, do you know, Ben Earl had his interview, didn't he, right after the game because he's man of the match. I completely mistook what was said. I took it a completely different way, but it's not how it was meant. I think Billy was walking past uh, Ben Earl and shouted to the camera, ask him about where we were, uh, where he was last year. And I took that as a slight, like, look, we're, we're back. We were in the championship uh, last year, and now we're going to a final. Of course, it wasn't that, was it? Ben Earl was busy losing to Harlequins last year. But I do think that there's going to be a lot of... That's got to be one hell of a motivation. They relegated us, and now we're going to win win the whole thing. And the key players oh, went yeah, down... Leicester would have been relegated were it yeah. not for Saracen salary cap. You're right. Yeah. So, you know... Oh, and by the way, do you know when I said it's the most competitive league in the world? In, in, in what, which other league would have the relegated team and the bottom team in... Oh, in, come on. In the final, eh? <laughs> Facts matter, Tim. Facts matter. <laughs> Um, just on on the point about the um, or seven, 17 of the 23 from Leicester not um, having played a semi-final before which considering was it Leicester Leicester never failed to make um, the playoffs or the semi-finals in their premiership from whenever they first started in until George Ford arrived until it was about yeah 2015 maybe yeah was, was the first and then I don't think they made one since then so to have that kind of 17 years or whatever however many years it was and then have the bleak period it is quite incredible the Leicester was the was the great club it fell off a cliff and boy did it fall off a cliff but now they are they are back well I'm only semi-joking when I say this but the way to think about it is the year Freddie Burns left is the last time they went to semi-final the year he returned is the, last, is the next time that they arrived at one mm-hmm. so yeah well, I think we're all seeing this going Saracen's way. I can't see it going any other way. I mean, I hope it's closer. I think it'll be closer for 60 minutes. I think Saracen's will eventually wear them down. I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see Leicester win this. But as much as I want to see Leicester win this, I think it's Saracen's. It is it's quite a... There'll be a lot of people angry if Saracen's win this. Because <laughs> people that, get angry about this. The meltdown these will be great, though, won't it? yeah. It's it's quite nice just for that just for that. Yeah, I kind alone. of yeah. I, <laughs> I, I love Saracens as an organisation. I think their players are fantastic. The coaches are awesome. What they get what they get out of players is is amazing. You, we've already pointed to Alan Davis. I um they're they're the two best teams. May the best team win. I would love to see Saracens win. I'd love to see Leicester win. I'm I'm ha- I'm I'm a very happy neutral on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tend to agree with that sentiment I, yeah i can kind of spin a story both ways those leicester fans welford road such a big club such a good supporter base i'd love to see them get an, another title conversely saracens just do things the right way they just do things the right way except for that thing that they did but everything else is pretty good and you know you can't deny that um just <coughs> excuse me um one the two extra things I want to mention, but one thing is we've just mentioned salary caps. Have you seen the MLR news? Yeah, the the Guiltinis a couple of weeks back or a week or so ago. Oh, guilty stepped aside from the playoffs for an, a nondescript reason, and then the Gilgronies have been told 
they are banned from the playoffs. So the two teams, yeah, have, have been financially doping, evidently. Well, we'd have well, to have a look at their uh, player roster to really make that um, to really make that decision. Now, if I remember correctly, didn't the Giltinis have Matt Gitto, Adam, Adam Ashley, Ashley Cooper? Cooper. Um, Adam Ash was there for a little while. Was Quade Cooper there for a little while? Quade Cooper was. I mean. It kind of stacks up if you're going to point the finger. So, do you know when it's, when you think when you look at a bunch of men, you've got to pick the guy that's on steroids. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Which uh, which at the CrossFit Games is all of them. Is all of them. Well, you'd hope <laughs> if they're taking it seriously. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. yeah. Ast- astonishing announcement. Really <laughs> the is. two teams immediate disqualification. Two teams both owned by the same man in the same league. Um, immediate disqualification. Um, I know the the MLR statement says uh, Austin Gilgroni's disqualification is due to the team's management's failure to cooperate with an investigation concerning uh, potential violations pertaining to player compensation. Mm. So that salary cap. Yeah. So Los I... Angeles dis- Los Angeles disqualification is due to conduct deemed detrimental to the league, which warranted an immediate disqualification. So not oh. salary cap. Maybe they've, uh, well, maybe they've all been Zach Guilfording it in Vegas or something. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Oh. So um, very, very unusual situation. Oh, man. But um, I'm know- sure we'll hear more about that. Can we not get some inside gossip from your from our MLR contacts, JB? I'll look into it. Yeah. I'll, I'll look into that immediately. That'd be good. That'd be good. Um, uh, yeah, go on, the other it. thing, the other thing I wanted to mention is is a bit of an apology from me, uh, uh-huh. because I pointed out um, that the last two weeks of uh, Super Rugby, there have been teams winning the game with a uh, red card in the first, certainly in the first half of the game, and there was the same thing this weekend. Uh, Crusaders won, beat, beat Chiefs twenty points to seven. Pablo Matera got sent off after well, two, um, two yellows actually. Well, he got he got a red card because he got two yellows. He got a yellow card, missed ten minutes. Yeah. Then he got a second yellow card. Twenty minute red. Got twenty minute. Red got, card. got a red card. But yes, what what I was um, overlooking in the previous two weeks was the fact that um, they're doing the uh, trialing the twenty minute red card. So teams weren't playing for sixty minutes or fifty minutes or sixty minutes without a man. They were playing for twenty minutes. Yeah. Without a man, and then um, them coming on. So uh, the, the, the Chiefs, it, um, the, the Chiefs, and Northampton Saints could uh, could have a commiserating drink together on butchering chances, yeah, and missing missing out on the final. But the Saders, uh, fair play, and they're up against yeah, the, they're up against the Auckland Blues, aren't they? So the the Barrett boys going head to head. Ooh, no, 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 because that's the highlight. No, I've got the teams wrong. You're below. Well, the, Oh no! There yeah, because no, because Bodie is at the Blues now. Bodie's at the Blues, and Scott is That's at the it. Crusaders. Yeah, and uh, but is still at the your beloved Canes. Canes. Yes, that that is that is correct. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad we caught up on that. All right. Well, something I've just spotted before this podcast is done. Um, there's a lot of chatter. Have you seen this? Owen Farrell getting potentially cited, or speculation <laughs> that he might be cited for a punch. Does that surprise you? For a punch, yeah. I mean, uh, was it's it? Is it? SOP, you, I mean, isn't it? Do you know what's going on here, Phil? Uh, so I've, I've seen the little clip. 
So if you'd have told me there was going to be a sighting from this Quinn Saracens game, um, I would have been certain it was going to be Matt Simmons on Owen Farrell. Yeah, for the du- double punch in the back occurred. of the head. Yeah, fracas occurred just near Saracens' try line. It was uh, second half, and Simmons r- ran in with what looked like a swinging arm, although we we didn't really see it. And I was certain. I was surprised it wasn't looked at at the time, but I was certain it was going to be a sighting. Although um, it wouldn't actually matter because Simmons is now retiring. And That'd be a great way to go, though, wouldn't it? I'd be like, no, cite me, cite me. That's exactly what I was thinking. Then this reminds me of when Rob Shaw got unfairly chastised for drinking. What a terrible, terrible man! And he's on the way to the United States. Oh, you're banned, really? I'm off. I'm off to the United States. See you soon. Um, Simmons should have gone for it. He did actually miss some games, though, Rob Shaw, didn't he? I know, I know. Because it's World Rugby Government, whereas Simmons won't miss any. He could give someone a a hundred-year ban. It's irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll never play again. Yes, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) But no. Uh, So have have you seen the little clip, Tim? Uh, No, not of the Marchant one. I'm trying to find it, but there's only a link to a website that I can't open with 4G for some reason. Oh, one of those websites. Uh, is it a tractor website? Dominator. <laughs> <laughs> so it does look like uh, it's Faz at the bottom of the rook with Marchin on top of him. Uh, and there's a little bit of niggle. Can't really tell what's going on. And then it looks like either a punch or an open hand slap, but you can't really tell because the re- resolution is not great. But it does look like Faz hits Marchant, his England teammate, his England centre partner potentially in the head I think he was just trying to be affectionate and say how are you doing down here Joe uh, you had a great season mate well done um, and yeah to- total misunderstanding I, I just don't buy it yeah, just on Marchant do you think there's any player in the Premiership that that stock has risen so quickly as Marchant I think he's probably one of the first names on first names in Eddie's squad now It'll be there. Yeah. Uh, in terms of stock, I think, yes. Marchant was already an international no. a year ago, so like yeah. a Tommy Freeman, I'd say. Maybe example. not his stock, because he's always been highly rated, but maybe the recognition is there now. Yeah. I, um, I think he's, he's been playing really, really well this season. Sensational. Because he's always been a good player. But, but, but he's, he's like, a few, but, few extra bits. Yeah. His defence is excellent. He's got lovely, lovely hands. He does. And he reads the game really well. He's just a very good all-round player. He's, and he's got... He's played in the centre for England and he's played in the back three for England, which Correct. we know from, from Eddie, it does um, having the ability to cover multiple positions is something that Eddie seems to like. But he has let himself down, goading Owen Farrell into an, <laughs> an affectionate stroke of the head, which now could Classic come come foul. into the sighting panel, which please don't, don't. Well, we've, we've, we've seen, we've seen what, um, <laughs> we've seen what happened to Ben Spencer when he goaded Owen Farrell. When he fell out with Farrell, that's it. So yep. don't expect to see Marchant near an England squad anytime Mar- soon. Marchant should be blocking any attempts by Quinns to mention this to a sighting commissioner. Yeah, quite, quite right. Oh, the acid tongue of Farrell might strike again. Poor Marchant. So do you, <laughs> would you expect, Phil, from what you're looking at, the clip you've seen, would you expect to see this cited and dealt with? Yeah, the, the clip, I could see So... The caveat I'd give is it's the, the clip I've seen is low resolution with one angle. So if you get it from another angle and it's open-handed, I'd say there's nothing, penalty only. 
if it is closed handed and it is a punch, then it would meet the the red card threshold. So therefore, it could be a sighting. Owen wouldn't do but that. I I can't imagine him because he's someone he does play on the edge, but I can't imagine he would actually punch someone in the head. <laughs> That's that is a bit ridiculous. Even not... even the massive mutants in in the in the front row. Uh, when it comes to a bit of pushing and shoving, they they don't go that far anymore. No, I can't no, remember the last punch just... I saw. Uh, level seven or no, at top level. <laughs> no, I, no, I can't either. Shame. Tom Wood doesn't uh, doesn't like it. It is remarkable that they managed to keep when when the job is to go out and batter your opponent. It is actually quite incredible restraint to to not do it, particularly when like there's like a shit house moment where someone's. Yeah, holding um, you in, pinning, um, pinning you down on the floor or something. The real discipline here, which of course the weird shaped neck beards wouldn't understand, is that like they are they're, they're meant to be they're rewarded for being aggressive. The more aggressive mm. you are, the more money you make. But you can't be that aggressive. It's all the contained, well, you, isn't it? It's all how how you contain it. It exactly. It's the old um, uh, fire in the belly and ice in the mind kind of situation. You've got to be so pumped up, but you've got to know where the line is. Body on a fire, head in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it's just, just one of those things that coaches say, isn't it? It is. Such it's such an old David school coaching. Say. It's such an old school coaching mantra. Yeah. Lads, <laughs> bodies on fire, heads in the fridge. <laughs> right, I think we've had enough here. I think we're done. Think yes, we're done. we are. Yes, we are. Right, we'll, uh, we'll do a quick Patreon pod uh, so JB can get some stuff off his chest. Roger that. <laughs> uh, contact headchasers at gmail.com. Enjoy the Premiership final and the bar bars. Uh, we'll be here, as we always are, every single Monday morning. If you appreciate that, hit subscribe. Go to patreon.com forward slash headchasers. Leave a five-star review. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.